Hi everybody, Randy here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is our good friends at Precision Pro Golf. No Laying Up is brought to you by Precision Pro Golf. We are in the midst of summer right now, and hopefully everybody's well on their way to accomplishing their golf goals, whether that's reaching a lower handicap, improving your driver, or simply playing more golf and having more fun. And no matter what your golf goals are, Precision Pro Golf can probably help. Their award-winning rangefinders give golfers a reliable number to the target, whether you're aiming at the flag or trying to avoid a hazard. Everyone here at No Laying Up uses the NX9 Slope. It has all the features golfers love. Advanced slope technology, pulse vibration, and an embedded magnet built into the rangefinder so you can securely attach it to your cart, which is a fantastic feature. Uh, I, I can't tell you how convenient it makes getting the rangefinder. And it's tournament legal, which means uh, you saw it at the PGA Championship this year. And if you happen to qualify for the PGA Championship next year, you can use it there. Precision Pro Golf measures more than just distances, too. Their new one-of-a-kind golf app offers advanced insight into your golf game that will help measure your performance and let you know where you can improve. Search the App Store or the Android Marketplace for the Precision Pro Golf app. Right now, our listeners can receive $20 off the NX9 Slope by using coupon code TRAPDRAW, all one word, TRAPDRAW. Go to precisionprogolf.com, use the coupon code TRAPDRAW at checkout for $20 off our favorite rangefinder, the NX9 Slope. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. And now on to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw Podcast. This is the concluding episode of our A Course Called America book series featuring Tom Coyne. Um, it, we, I thank you so much for joining us, uh, not only in the book, but through the prior three episodes. Uh, let me welcome in the, the, the star of the show, Mr. Tom Coyne. Tom, how are you, man? Welcome back. Oh, it's great to be back with you. Um, and thank you so much for doing this. I was just thinking the other day to do four episodes and devote this time to it. It's been really fun. And to start to hear from people on like, you know, on the refuge and social media who've been, you know, listening and then reading and listening and reading. And it's just been such a cool way to do this that, um, you know, it was a great idea. And, and, you know, I hope your listeners have enjoyed it. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely, Randy or well, Phil, because we've, we've spent some time in the interim together. So I've moved on. I moved on from big Randy to Phil. It was a big, it was kind of a big step, but I'm ready for it. It, it was, um, well, it's been a thrill for me, first of all. So if, if nothing else, um, it, it's been a, one of the highlights of this year, or any, any year for, for me. So I, I thank you immensely. Uh, yeah, we, we got to spend some time a couple of weeks ago up yeah. in New Jersey. Um, well, I guess we started in Philadelphia and then made our way to Baltus Raw. Got to see the new lower course recently yep. renovated by Mr. Gil Hans. Um, yes, we started. It was like a little. We did a little Gil Hans Applebrook in Philly, 
when you came in with Autoflex um, uh, in the house. Shout uh, out, Mr. Cody. Shout out, Mr. Cody McBride. Cody was awesome. And uh, so we did that. And then we went up, yeah, Baltusrol. And then we toured the best of North Jersey with uh, Somerset Hills and Mount Ridge and checked out Bayonne. So that was a really, that was a really fun trip. And you were nice enough when you stayed here um, as a thanks to Allison sent us a little ice cream and uh, I've been through, there's still some remaining. So tonight I think I'm going in for the chocolate. What is it called? Greuters? <laughs> it's close. Close. Graters. 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 Tell the people a name than I, I had been hyping graters. So graters um, is the ice cream of Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, it's it's the best ice cream anywhere. Uh, it's something we had talked about, but as a little thank you note for letting me stay at your place. Uh, yeah, I sent you six pints. Hopefully you haven't eaten all six yet because they have not been at your house very long. It's true, but the girls have been digging in. Uh, okay. Um, they freeze like, you know, it's good ice cream because it freezes like really hard. It has a good, you know, yeah. density to it. So they can only scoop out so much because they're, they're little, little hands. <laughs> but I have big hands and I've been going in. Um, I polished off the cookies and cream. Everyone, when I posted a picture of it was going just just said black raspberry, black raspberry. That's all you need to know. And uh, and they were right, man. That That is really quite special the size of the chunks the quality i think of what they put in the whole oreos the huge fudgy chunks into the rat black raspberry ice cream um it's really quite quite good it's very rich um yes. it's not for the 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 meek of heart um and uh yeah man it's awesome but yeah tonight oh i've got birthday cake I think tonight's going to be birthday cake. Yeah, I thought I, I thought your girls might like the birthday cake one. That was that was. We'll see uh, if they get to it. Definitely a nod to them. Yeah. Uh, hey, one other thing I got to congratulate you on, just because I know how how big of a deal it was to you. You made the match play of your club championship. Hey, we were talking about that last time, right? And I did. Yep. I made it through the way you know the way they do it at Waynesboro. Only seven spots qualify. So really like for me, which I've never, which I'd always gone in and just blown up on some hole and, and never, never made the cut. So this year just, just hung in there, man. Just kept grinding. Wasn't thinking about score too much. Um, and, and made it in, uh, I think I was sixth, sixth place, which meant that I actually had to play the medalist in qualifying because the first seed is last year's winner. Um, so the two seed is the, is that year's medalist, uh, shout out to Kyle Dolby, um, who, Hits the ball very, very, <laughs> very far and uh, really doesn't do anything else bad in his game. Went on to win the club oh. championship. So, you know, it like makes you feel it, better when you're in the brackets and you yeah. go down to the champ. Uh, you do feel better. Exactly. And, uh, you know, for me, it was really about getting in next year. I'm going to try and take it to the next level and, you know, maybe make it to the, you know, make it to the end. So it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow's today. We, or this year we made Saturday next year. We're making Sunday. Exactly. Exactly. All exactly. right. Um, well, just in case, uh, folks are just joining us and have not listened to the prior three episodes, I would urge you, urge you, please. Um, uh, first of all, pick up the book, of course, called America. And then as you get reading, uh, go back and listen to the first episode, which is an introductory episode, the second one, which covers the first half of the book, and then the third one, which covers the second half of the book. And so that leaves then today's episode, which is a conclusion. You know, I think we left off right before the epilogue 
to your book. And um, I, I think that's where I'd like to start. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're on the naval base in San Diego. Um, you know, if I didn't know any better, this would seem like uh, such a fairy tale ending, right? Like, are, are we sure you weren't mm-hmm. writing a novel here? Uh, but <laughs> but talk, talk to me about the, the thrill and the joy of discovering that piece of, of golfing land on the naval base that day. It's funny you mentioned that because, you know, from a writing point of view, sometimes you do get accused of, uh, well, that didn't happen that way. <laughs> or, you know, you made it, you know, you know, when you're writing nonfiction. But, you know, what creative nonfiction is you're using the tools of the fiction writer to tell true stories, right? So that means um, I could have told it sequentially where the last course I play is in Hawaii, Right. But no, I, I changed the chronology and, you know, the book it's, and I come back to California in the epilogue, right. Um, or yeah, in the epilogue to make sure that's the last note. Right. So that's, that's one of those sort of stylistic choices that you make to organize events and things to have a certain impact. And, and yes, to uh, you know, to end the story with what I think is, you know, one of its best stories um, uh, which is to go back to, san diego and which i'd played you know which was the last stop right before hawaii and you know and finish up there that's my 50th state i have a great time uh you know playing with young blakey boy um you know who's just this you know young eight-year-old phenom um at this he's probably certainly older probably he is older now he's 25 now that's how time works (laughs) yeah yeah he's he's already burn out off the tour um no but we had so much fun and it was just a cool way like that was kind of a fun way to end the story was to look at golf through a kid's eyes again and see someone just so in love with it um was a nice reminder of what you know the joy and what i get to do we get to do is, is people who play golf and then um but i really you know the story insofar as it being my dad playing a part in it and america playing a part in it it was you know i wanted to really end where golf began for my family in America, which was the, um, the nine hole golf course on the San Diego Naval base. Uh, so it, and it wasn't that, what was interesting though, I didn't plan to find it or to, 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 to look for it. I wasn't on the original list of golf courses. It, it was something like, as I got into California and I got to San Diego, I'm like, Hey, my parents lived here. Right. And let's think, where did dad play? I'm playing Tory. I knew he played Tory. So it was, it was, it was genuinely like a late addition to the story. Um, and one of those things that you're just like, with all of the books, there's been a moment or a story that you get that just kind of falls into your lap because you're living in it. You know, you're, you just sometimes get a gift. You get like a, the, the, the story universe just throw, throws one your way because you put the time in, you know, um, you know, you're out there for eight months and it's like, it, it, something reminds you, Oh yeah, you should really go play the golf course where your dad first swung a golf club. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of what happened. So, but finding it was no easy matter there. Um, Phil, it was, it was tough. Um, didn't, couldn't find it on any map. None of the locals had ever heard of it. Um, so it was only via the help of like Google imaging that I found a, a green patch within the San Diego Naval base that looked like it might have some greens on it. And as I said, in the book, it was like, I felt pretty shady, like searching a a military base by a 
Google Earth. Yeah. Don't worry. They're they're they've got other they, stuff. They get well with. and they got everything they want. They I'm sure they they can get no problem. It's not like you know you're you're new to their radar or anything. It's true. This is absolutely true. And uh and that's how I found it and 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 kind of weaseled my my way on there. Do you so I think it's so cool. Um and I think everybody has a golf obviously everybody has a golf history what, what am i trying to say here I, everybody has a home for golf for them right and um you know like like making the pilgrimage to saint andrews is for for the broader sense of the game you know a pilgrimage to to the home of golf but i think it's so fascinating and and it's really gotten me thinking about you know what what is my home of golf right um and, and I think that's what struck me so much with the epilogue and, and your journey to that naval base, because for you, that, you know, that's kind of where, obviously, you trace golf, the beginning of golf for you. Um, and, you know, for, for me personally, I, I think I would trace, I, I, I kind of sat down and thought about it for a little while, but um, my dad's grandparents owned a farm outside of Northwest uh, outside of Toledo in Northwest Ohio. And um, his grandfather turned it into a golf course. And my, dad, <laughs> yeah. and my dad's mom grew up working at the golf course. And she was kind of a tomboy and she would play with a lot of the men and, and her father. And, and I think for me, that would be, now it's no longer a golf course. They've actually donated the land to... Um, to a church up there and now it's kind of like a, a family camp property but it, it's just so fun to and i would challenge all the listeners you know think about where where is that piece of land what it, what are those events that are the home of golf for you and so um i will eventually get to a question here for you but what do you remember obviously the stuff you've written down but do you remember the the headspace you were in going around those those little holes at the naval base do, do you remember you know, the feeling that you had playing there. Yeah, no. And that's an awesome point. I, I think that's this idea of like, what's your golf, like provenance or whatever, like, where's, where's it go back to for you is, is so cool. Have you been back to that before I answer your good question Have yeah, you been back to that field? Like, yeah. So we, um, and honestly, the, the magnitude of, of that piece of land is growing on me as I get older. I can remember when I was, very young. Um, in, in my lifetime, it was never a golf course. Uh, but I, and I guess I should mention like through my grandmother, my dad's mom, that's really where golf came to me. Um, mm. so she was, I can remember, you know, she would take me out to a local nine hole course. She would take me putt putting, you know, she, she gave the game to my dad who then, you know, passed it on to me, but she was kind of the, the start of golf for in my lifetime. That's uh, awesome. And so there, they had a, um, they had a, uh, gosh, a, a wedding anniversary celebration out, out on that property. Um, and, and I've been back just to walk around it there, are, you know, there's a lake on there, there, there's a clubhouse they, they use it as like a, a spot for like family camps or cabins, places to stay, um, as part of a Methodist church up in, up in that part of Ohio. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really special, but like I said, something that, the significance of it has, I am getting much more of an appreciation for it. And, and I think reading your book and the, and the epilogue, and that's what really 
jogged this line of thinking in me. And, and I really appreciate that. Well, it's been cool. Like, cause I've actually heard from a couple other people who've gone out and gone back to their first golf course after, after they finished the book. Um, a friend of mine, you know, went and checked out the nine holer and I think it was in Connecticut where he grew up. And um, I just think that's, that's really, that's really awesome. And, and that's, and what's, for us that's why we had you know the book launch where we had it because that was my first golf experiences were at, at rolling green you know outside philadelphia but as i was walking around like my dad's hole like those nine holes where he uh where he would have first played golf it was it was pretty it's hard to describe the feeling it was i felt like there was a, a real feeling i felt very kind of light um it was the end of the trip and i was actually physically carrying fewer golf clubs. So <laughs> I was actually lighter, but there was this sense of like excitement and relief. And, you know, all I, I guess at that point, all I had left in front of me was a few days in Hawaii, which was, uh, which sounded pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd come to the end of, of, of sort of exploring, you know, the continental United States. And um, so there was just a sort of joy in that, but there was this like, what I was doing is there were a few other sailors or Marines like around the property, just, just a handful. And I was looking at them and trying to like, I wasn't like, Ooh, like what if you're my dad? Like anything, it wasn't like a weird thing, but I was like imagining my dad at that age. Right. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, doing something and it, to, to kill some time between his ships or whatever. And um, that was like stirring up some, emotional stuff you know because you don't sure. think of your parents as being a 25 year old who doesn't know much about much you know like uh like i i can celebrate my you know the years when you know when i'm being 25 or 45 and not knowing much about much but not when not your parents right you know they're they're yeah. they've, they've kind of what you expect them to always think of them as like sort of having their stuff together and to kind <laughs> of imagine my dad out there as a kid trying to just figure it out um is uh it takes your breath away a little bit it makes you stop and think it changes your perspective it um it is it makes you, it, i don't know i think it makes you just ponder life in a in a in a useful way and sort of understand this, the scope of it and, uh, and sort of feel it a little bit. If, I don't know. I just very much felt life there. If that makes any sense. I, I think it does. I, I weirdly, I, I, at least I think I know what you mean. I, and <laughs> I, I, I very much agree with you. Um, I, I wanted to share this with you and, and I know you've seen it already, but for the folks that aren't on our message board, which is called the refuge, uh, a reader there also named Tom, ironically, I, I thought made an awesome observation. Um, and I, and I want to paraphrase it here before I get your reaction. Uh, quoting Tom, not you, the other Tom, he said, one thing that struck me as a takeaway from the end epilogue that just seemed so fitting was how full circle everything seemed to come. I'm sure it was purely a happy accident, but it was so perfect that the place that started your dad's golf journey and subsequently your own over the interim half century had in essence morphed into a place very similar to that to that which you ultimately found as the great American golf course, talking about some guy's backyard. 
Obviously, it's not in a backyard, or maybe in essence it is in the Navy's backyard, but both places in my eyes prove the point that golf is about more than 18 greens and tee boxes, that it's just as much about community and how important places like that can be for starting people's journey into golf. Just couldn't help but chuckle at the parallels my mind was drawing between the two places as I finished the book and how sometimes the world just seems to work like that. Um, and I, I just was like, oh my God, that's, that's a really, really, really awesome observation. And um, had, had you made that connection in, in your mind, Tom, before, before reading that? I know you saw that on the, on the message board. I did. And no, I had not made that connection. And a credit to uh, the quality and intellect of the refuge and your message board, <laughs> because it's not your average message board. I mean, that's an A plus in my uh, graduate literary, you know, comparative <laughs> literary theory class. No, no, just I just thought that that was so insightful and and interesting, and not something that I that I had thought about. And um, it it yeah, it does sort of come back in that that way that is you can't really sort of plan it um but then when you reflect upon it and sort of poke underneath that a little bit it makes sense um that the place that this place had become over time it changed into something else just as golf is changing and which is one of the things a theme in the book the way golf i think is changing in positive ways and then to find that that had happened um at the base where my dad learned to play golf where I don't think no would you say it's changing in positive ways but it's it's more like it's surviving and adapting and I think that's one of the theme in the book that golf is surviving and adapting um and so in some actually really really exciting ways so but to point that out and and to you know sh uh, shed a light on it uh, even for me was was um it was really insightful and it's one of those moments where you realize you know the poem is smarter than the poet you yeah. know, and I, and I, I, and I've learned that, you know, that was a lesson I learned early in, in writing workshop was that when you tried to show off themes or tie things together with bows or look what I can do with these motifs and I'll do all the things that, you know, the, the literature teacher tells us to look for in books. That's the things I want to have in my books. Well, when you do that, you're, you're not writing, you're sort of constructing something um, and, and you're writing for a certain effect. And, and what I, and I did that for a long time and, and then finally learned that, you know what, just, just tell a story, just tell a story, just tell a closely observed story. And I think the way that the world works and the way that events work and the way humans work, that stuff does come back there are, and, and there are circular patterns. There are just some sort of patterns and rhythms to stories that are going to find their way into your, um, into the work. So hopefully it's cool when you see that happen and it's just even cooler when someone else points it out to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. The poem is, is smarter than the poet. I have not heard that particular phrase before, but, um, I, uh, I'm going to remember that one. Uh, and, and speaking of, you know, bringing it back in a circle on page eight, you write, I was never asked to serve as he, your father had been. And I wondered if that precluded me from appreciating our country as he did. It very well might, but I wanted to try. I wanted to love America the way my father did. So my question, Tom, what do those couple sentences mean to you now? You know, that was like, a big question and, and one that I was almost uncomfortable posing in the book because I don't want to ever 
didn't even want to suggest it at that point that, you know, I didn't love my country or, you know, that, that, you know, I was just sort of trying to draw a pair, sort of draw a contrast between the America that my father had grown up in versus the America that I had and how love of country um, takes on maybe different emotional associations or representations um but i'm very and, and as it says in that quote you know i wanted to go out and try and see and see if i could understand why you know he gets choked up um that, that, you know what how we can get emotional about uh you know a text chain with you know flags and eagles in it and and not not to say that that's sort of sappy or um that melodrama not that my dad's a sucker for melodrama, um, but just my generation cynical and his was, wasn't his, his generation was more of, you know, you're asked and you serve. And um, my, I think I grew up around a lot of like, you're asked and you question um, and both are great and both are American. So after all that uh, I'd say I definitely got pretty close to, you know, uh, where my dad stands on his his view of things. It's not a political thing. It's not conservative versus liberal. Um, it's just like a deep appreciation for um, the stuff that this country is built of. Um, and that's it has a lot to do with, you know, a lot of the time I spent on the military bases, a lot of the time I spent with military folks in, in all the golf I played. It wasn't planned. It just happens to be that, yeah, there's a whole, a lot of our population serves this country. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just a fact. And so, and then, you know, just also seeing just how damn beautiful the whole place is. Um, I, it makes you, yeah. I mean, that, that love of country is, is it's something deeper than even saying like love of country um, because that has like tones of, um, uh, you know, again, like, patriot or not patriot it's beyond that i think for me it's it's this idea of like we are so damn lucky to have this place um mm -hmm. to call home you I, know and that's what it is yeah amen to that i think one of the things i get frustrated with is um some of the conversation or the framing of of things these days it, it almost cheapens that underlying you know patriot non -patriot. like i those words are tossed yeah. around so freely that I, I think they, they strip them of, of actual meaning in a lot of sense. And, and I, I think that's a shame. And, and I, I, I think the journey that you went on is, is one that, you know, I, I probably need to, and I, I think maybe a lot of people listening would, would like to, and, and just reconnecting in a way that is not political, but is just, man, I want to, I want to explore this country and I want to learn this country and I want to, you know, develop that love and appreciation, uh, on, on a deeper level. I, I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. and I, I thank you so much for being open and honest about, you know, that cynicism and just, you know, they are different generations. I, I catch myself a lot of times being cynical and, and it can be easy to, to kind of fall into that trap and stay there, but it's good to things like this are, are good reminders and wake up calls to, to seek out the, 
the better nature of, of people and, and place. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great message. Um, well, can we change gears slightly here? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I want to ask you, is this where we tell Aaron Gregory how much we love her? <laughs> Gosh, wow, my gosh. How about that, Aaron? <laughs> she, if, we don't, uh, if we don't fit that in here, she's going to be upset. Four for four, Aaron. Uh, you got four <laughs> shout outs. We, we still love you. Um, no, my question was about a book like this and, and how it evolves after it's finished and published. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, you're a few months from the release date of it. You're several months from the last time you, you wrote any final drafts. Uh, do you think of a book like this as a snapshot in time? And, and I guess I ask that because I think there's a really interesting dynamic in that, you know, somebody may pick this book up for the first time 10 years from now and your thoughts on courses and places. Obviously it's tied to you in the year, you know, 2019, 2018. Um, how do you think about a dynamic like that? How, how do you hope people yeah. approach a book like that? Does it, does that make sense at all? Absolutely. No. And, and it's something that, um, well, from a practical standpoint, as an author, you want to make sure that your book is not tied to any particular <laughs> month or year, that it stays evergreen so that people continue to purchase it. So, um, but no, it's something that, you know, I learned and realized like they're doing the Ireland and Scotland books, um, that those books had a, something of an evergreen quality to them. And that, you know, people going on trips to Ireland or Scotland every year, thankfully still decide to go out and, and buy one or get one at the library or whatever. Um, buying is better. So the, you know, that they, they, that those books still have a, a life to them. So, um, but then how do you do that and still write about things that are, you know, how do you write a book that feels contemporary? Right. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I, I mean, I, I think in terms of, you know, reactions to the golf courses, the golf history that's in there, um, you know, there are a lot of things that are going to still in 10 years from now and hopefully 20 years from now still be relevant. Um, a lot of things. Um, and then, but at the same time, I think you'll be able to look back in 20 years and, and, and maybe see um, a snapshot I don't think it's not going to be like an American snapshot or a political snapshot. Like I said, there's really no politics in the book, um, but a snapshot of maybe where golf is, mm -hmm. right? So that, you know, if there's 20, 30 years from now, there's a trend in American golf to say, what if we do continue to move away from the country club model? What if we do continue to evolve in terms of 18 hole rounds, not being the standard, you know, um, you know, maybe this is a story where you say, oh, the, okay, this is, you know, some of those changes, you know, were you, you caught some of those trends were starting, you know, were noted here, um, or, or maybe they weren't even imagined yet, you know? So I think it can be a little bit of a time capsule um, if golf in America continues to change um, and evolve, which I'm sure it will in many different ways. Um, but for the most part, I think, hope that a lot of it is still, um, relevant to people because at the end of the day the book is about adventure and dreaming and obsession and family and american all those things and i think that they have a, a quality that aren't tied to a calendar uh which is which is useful yeah you think people will be like what the hell was no laying up 
or the golfer's <laughs> journal. I, I hope 20 years from now that <laughs> that won't be the case. What is he talking? Uh, what is that? <laughs> right? No, this that's a that's a good point because this was the book. Probably, if we would call like, there's more probably pop culture in this book than yeah, of the other ones. So that is interesting, and not to like to reference things like the new club or the outpost club, right? Are they around in in twenty thirty years? You know, or is that changed into something else? And Oh, no laying up will be here. You'll have spawned by then. You'll have taken over NBC <laughs> Universal. You'll be running the running your own networks, your, your media conglomerate. Um, I'll be still hanging around looking for your some scrappy assignments from you guys uh, as you own the golf media sphere. It'll be a it'll be a hostile takeover, and then some some up and coming group can you know they can they can bitch about how many commercials we put on TV. Uh, exactly, get their start, and the world will go round and round. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, okay, another thing I have to ask you about the lists, the the yeah. lists at the end of your book. Is that a Tom choice or is that an editor choice? Because part of me has, I mean, I have to think those lists cause you more grief than they're worth. (laughs) So it started with, um, and it's funny because like being at the golfer's journal, right. And we're like, and it's in like our code that we're anti lists, right. You know, we're never going to be the list publication because it's sort of like this, it's it's just not what we do right um we're gonna give you more meat than boil it down to this these one through ten lists because that stuff hey it's effective it sells magazines whatever you know um but you know we're gonna be different and you would think well what's it doing in these books but going back to ireland and scotland that they were such like popular parts of the book um like in ireland there's like a there's actually some pragmatic lists like things to bring things not to bring and, and stuff like that that people really liked got good feedback about that and it just got to the point where it's like you know i'm going to be asked all these questions i'm going to be asked a bazillion times if a bazillion people read the book hopefully you know what's your favorite course what's your top this what are your hidden gems and all that it's like so like why don't just do it it's 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 a, it's a fun thing to do but you're right it does and the after effects of it in terms of having to the emails that one needs to answer (laughs) and the you know the arguments that you get yourself drawn into um is it worth it for that and also it does have that effect and you realize why we don't do lists in the golfer's journal because people just flip to the back of the book and read the lists yes and then and um and that's it and then it's like ah you know that's why we don't do them in the golfer's journal because we want you to read the stories and like, I, if I, I don't want you to just read the list. I want you to read them in the context. Cause if you read it and you say like, how is St. Louis country club ranked above Marion? Well, read the book, you know, like, you know, and that's, and, and that's the list then will make sense. But if you go to the list first and that's, so that's the downside of having lists. Like someone on Amazon just gave me a one-star review because um, I didn't have like an index <laughs> or something like this book is garbage. It doesn't have, it's put, it should list all the, rank all the courses and it doesn't have an index to, or something. I'm just like, Oh my God. Um, and that's what some people just want in a book about golf in America. It's just like, all right, tell me the courses I need to go play. Give me a you know, 
and and tell me what they're like. And, you know, I'm just never, ever, ever going to write that book, but I guess the list in the back is a little bit of a tip of the cap to that. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I like your list to be clear. I, I, and I, I, try I very much enjoy the bear with of the course. list. Of you know, course. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I try to be a contrarian. Let's be honest. Yes. Uh, can I give you a list that I've made throughout yes. reading the book? So yes. I, I wrote down my top 10 courses that I have never played. Uh, but after reading about them in, in your book, Ooh, um, cool. I, I made a list. And so we'll, we'll go 10 to 10 to one. 10 nice. was Gamble Sands. Sounds like an absolutely beautiful place. Can probably feel really good about the score I shoot. Um, yeah. You'll have fun. Dave, David McClay kid. Yeah. You're going to love it. It's just, it's your kind of place, man. It's just easy golfing and not, not that the golf is overly easy, but it's just set up that just, everything's right there and it's just set up to have a good time. So that's just a, a good time. Fun time. Nine is, uh, is it Biderman? Am I saying that correctly? In Bitterman. Delaware? Bitterman. Bitterman. Yeah. I feel like that's a Pearl Jam call. song. <laughs> good call. Bitterman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, that song is actually about the DuPont <laughs> golf course. People never never played golf in Delaware. I don't know. I thought I thought it sounded interesting. Uh, it is interesting, and um, I have made some friends there now. Uh, I had some friends, but I've made better friends now that it was the only Delaware book in Delaware, of course, in the book. So whenever you want to play it, um, we've got a pass now. Look great. at me fishing for fishing for invites. Uh, eight, all about. eight was eight, eight's a must play for me. Uh, the Highland Links up on Cape Cod sounded absolutely spectacular must do it's pure it's just very pure it's not terribly fancy it's got crazy land movement and it's a very linksy experience i have been hearing though if anyone's up there uh that works for the parks or you know it's 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 owned by the county or whatever it work you know it's it's a municipal situation and they're just watering it too much they mm -hmm. need to let it brown i hear people are getting a lot of softy soft uh they aren't getting the bounce that it that it should have so Shut the water off up at Highland Links, and uh, and we'll be, be we'll be back soon. <laughs> Sounds like the USGA might have gotten a hold of the uh, <laughs> the course conditions up hey there. <laughs> uh, seven we've we've spoken about, and it gets a lot of play in your book. Catansit um, yep. is just sounds like a really nice place. Six kind of along those same lines. I've never been out to Sand Hills. That would be a big treat. Yep. Uh, five Aquanic up in Vermont. And I think good this good maybe pick. maybe mostly just the the scenery and that stereotypical leafy Vermont uh, landscape. I, I think I that just is what fills my mind when I think of that place. Perfect. Uh, four. I, I think I mentioned this to you in in one of our first episodes with St. George's. Uh, you saying it it yeah. would be your your home club on Long Island spoke volumes to me. Um, I, I made. Very special note of that. Uh, three is Sakonet. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Okay. Good pick. I thought that I, sounded I delightful. Are, I've only I've only been there once, but yeah. Uh, oh, it's a total charmer. Good for you. And you could run into um, George Pepper there. Um, yeah, that was just a just a beautiful, lovely. You know, it was a rainy day, but a, a lovely walk and. Um, yeah, that one's right up your alley. It's yeah, that's a that's that's one for you for sure. And then the final two are are pretty well known, but um, hopefully one day uh, Oakmont came in at number two for me. Just yeah. you know, just got to go up there and, and get punished one time. Got to do it. 
and then Crystal Downs. I think I think Crystal Downs maybe speaks to my soul uh, for having never been there. I think maybe speaks to my soul more than any course uh, in this country. So that was that yeah. was my list, Tom, that I created. That's a great list, uh, Randy. And you know the um, and with your Michigan root, like tie, not your roots, but your ties at least. Uh, quite shocked you haven't played Crystal Downs, but it will it will live up to um, what you've built it up to be in your head. It's really uh, a unique experience, the whole thing. So great list, great list. How, how about this? Let me pose, I'm going to catch you off guard with this question. Um, uh, but one list that didn't make your book that I yeah. would be curious about was, what, what do you think in your mind are the top 10 courses that you missed but want ah, to see? Okay. Have, have you thought about that at all? There's a and not that you have to have 10, but, but what are a handful that, that immediately come to mind? Okay. Uh, and there's some that I'm remedying immediately that are happening this year. So, uh, shore acres was a big one. You know, Chicago was a spot where there were so many U S open courses and then some publics I had to fit in. And it was just, you know, you could spend a, a, a lot of time there. So, uh, I did not get to shore acres, but it does look like I'm going to fix that um in the fall uh did not get out to nantucket or martha's vineyard right so those were originally were high on the list um so i want to get out uh, and i do have plans to get to sanctity and uh and the public um on nantucket mess well we'll get in trouble i'll get in trouble for not being able to call the name here but you sprung this question on me. So <laughs> I say I want to play all the courses on Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Um, okay. I play it. And then California, um, I want to get out to, uh, I was, it was too bad that Monterey Peninsula didn't get into the book um, and uh, that that wasn't part of the trip. But um, again, in the meantime, I've become very good friends with uh, a Monterey uh who's been on the golfer's journal podcast, Mike Madden, a uh, super guy um, who I'm going to go out there and play with in the fall. So um, yeah. So there were some gaps and courses I didn't get to, but um, thankfully what's been cool about promoting the book is, you know, that I'm going back to a lot of clubs that are in the book and then some that, that aren't in it. Um, so I'm getting a chance to play them. And then, you know, I do a book talk and signing and stuff. So um I should be able to, I should. And then, you know, the top hundred lists come out speaking of lists and you're like, uh, you know, old town is one I didn't get to. And I, that was a regret because it was mm -hmm. on the list and it just got cut for, uh, I had to get home for, to someone was either being baptized or first communion. I don't know. Something was going on and, uh, and I missed old town. So I've got to do that as well. Okay. Um, uh I solicited some questions off off the aforementioned refuge, our message uh -oh. board. So I I, I want to throw these at you, and I want to credit um, the folks that these these are their questions. So first one, this may be a bit personal, and um, you know I, I don't know what your answer will be to this, but you know you you have all these statistics in the back of your book, right? How many holes you played? Yes. What your score to par was? And all, all the golf related statistics. There was a question, if you had to estimate the costs of the book, <laughs> do you have any idea 
what what this book you know and, and i know a lot of golf was was probably comped and and provided for but uh any 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 idea the cost of the book if i had a number i'd love to throw it out there um because like right most of the golf i would say like 85 percent of the golf would have been comps if it wasn't i couldn't have done the book straight yeah. up i mean and i've and people have given me a hard time about that in the past with scotland and ireland where all the golf was comped it's like well how can you be an objective viewer blah 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 you know if you're if they're if they're letting you play for free well it's like i can't i, I couldn't do it otherwise you know you need that and i can still be objective um about places that you know just gave me a free tea time um you know and as people know from my writing, I'm not one to really like smash and slam golf courses. Um, I'll pick on things and I'll point things out, but I'm never going to tell a golf course that it's, that it shouldn't exist. You know, I'm, 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 I'm pro golf course. So anyway, <laughs> you're not going to uh, give any, uh, doke, doke scale zeros to anybody. <laughs> there would be no goose eggs, uh, on the, on the coin scale at all. Um, now how much did it cost? So the cost, so that meant essentially the cost were flights, hotels cars um meals damn this was expensive wasn't it um I, I i i don't know the number i mean i know that my frequent flyer status is elite um <laughs> as is my my hilton and marriott status is elite as well um my hertz status i mean they you know is, is strong quite strong <laughs> so uh it was, I mean, it was over a hundred flights. Um, and so what the hell is that? I don't do. Yeah. It was in the six. I don't know. I'd say I, it was I, in the six figures. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Well, I, I appreciate that estimate. Um, all right. Which course, if you can remember, uh, which course elicited the most feedback or opinions on social media? You know, a lot of times you would announce where you were going or, you know, invite mm. people to meet you along the way. Do, do you, does one stand out as, as having um, garnered a, a ton of, a, a ton of feedback or opinions, at least on social media? Yeah. Um, and some of them surprised me. Uh, well, Sweetens, when you post that, that, that gathers a lot of um, Sweetens love, which it deserves. Mm -hmm. um so people want to talk about that and the time that they've had there um tori uh solicited some uh different i was <laughs> a little bit surprised um you know the uh the reactions there uh were a little more um direct than i than i expected um people not being as excited about the golf course i think tori is such a such, i don't know i mean yes you can I, of course you can nitpick the design and i think that's fair but i don't know man it's such a beautiful spot to be like it, I, I just felt like i was walking around making big numbers because it was really difficult um do you think it's just, the do you think it's the best course that could be on that land i, I think no. for me that's that's what fair enough the issue is right and, yeah, and we see right. it you know i i've never played it we see it during during the u.s open uh obviously produced another great tournament this year but it, it just right i yeah i don't know i it's it's hard to fully appreciate i guess through tv um and right. i just feel like man that land is so good it, it almost deserves a 
better. That's the course. thing. You know, I think when you're there, <laughs> you're so distracted by the beauty of the setting and the land. And you're kind of like, Oh, isn't it nice that we get to play golf too. But yes, if you can step back and be fully discerning about it and be, um, and be a thoughtful critic. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not the best. Those aren't the best golf holes that could be on that property. So, and so people shared that opinion for sure. So I heard about Tory. Um, <laughs> I heard a lot about um, people about this little Fenwick nine holer or Shenacosset um, beloved courses in new England. Keeney park um, was the same way. People really passionate about their, um, their munis, you know, their, their, these accessible great golf courses in new England. So I'd hear a lot about those. Um, where else did I get opinions? Uh, chambers got a fair number. Everyone wanted to know chambers like, is it, it looks good. Is, is it, is it good? Like, I want to like it, but is it, is it any good? Like, do they have grass, you know, all that. So like, that was kind of like, they just finished redoing, you know, putting in the, uh, I guess they put in Poana, um, green. So like sort of updating everyone that, you know, chambers is not only, uh, has great has grass now, but it is just an absolutely incredible place. Um, and Aaron Hills, the same way, elicited a lot of responses, uh, where people, uh, similarly, because I guess some U S open controversies, they wanted to weigh in on what they, what they thought of Aaron Hills, but mostly people weighing in and saying, you know, yeah, Hey, it should get another open. It's great. And I believe, I believe that about Aaron Hills and Chambers Bay. They're absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, as I explained in the book, got some bad breaks, I guess, and got on people's, uh, on the, whatever, the wrong side of some of these lists. Yeah. It's amazing how, uh, the U S open and just people's perception one weekend on TV, um, how important that can be for some of these courses. Totally. totally. <laughs> uh, hi, any tips? And I, it's funny because I asked you the same thing when we were together in Philadelphia. Uh, but, but for our older listeners, uh, of which I consider myself, uh, how, what are your tips or how do you, how do you keep yourself going playing, 36 day after day. Um, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> how do you get out of bed and, and, and keep that golf swing, any tips or tricks to keeping the body and mind fresh? Well, let me tell you. Um, so I was introduced to Advil in 800 milligram form. <laughs> ibuprofen, these big, like ibuprofen horse pills, but I'd have to take like a stomach liner with, with them first. So, um, so yeah, don't take them on an empty stomach. So yeah, plenty of vitamin A, as they say. Um, some stretching. Didn't do a ton of stretching. Physically, you know, I don't know. I just like every morning you'd wake up and um, not want to go. And there would be that moment of like, oh, I can't do it. But, um, you know, then you, you start answering some messages. You get in the routine and blah, blah, blah. And then you're, you're, you're out the door and you're playing golf. And that day is your chance to like, have your career around. I mean, I'm always into that. Like, I'm always excited to play golf. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm always excited to see like it. Maybe, you know, maybe today I don't bogey the first hole and, and I'm on my way. Like that just never gets old. I, I don't know. It's not, it's weird. Uh, but I have phases that like, so if I'm a hundred percent into golf that I will stay in that phase of playing every day and want to stay, want to stay playing every day for as long as I absolutely can. Um, but then if I stop, um, I can put it down for as long as I need to, which is weird. Right. Um, so like when it does stop and I need to, to write and, and to work, um, I can actually stop playing. I'm not good at like, um, 
balancing you know i like to i'm sort of generally just sort of all in on one thing so um so mentally emotionally no problem playing golf all the time the the physical part of it your swing what suffers is like my legs stop moving um they're like completely they become like entirely uninvolved in the golf swing they're just there holding up the part of my body that is hitting the ball which um can make for some where you can develop some bad habits um and that's something that i try to have to be really conscious of um and understand you know okay my legs aren't moving that's why i'm wiping the ball and i've got to try and just you know if i slow my swing down then i can actually get my hips to move a little bit if i really go after it my my legs aren't going to be aren't in good enough shape or they're too tired to to keep up with the rest of uh, the rest of my body and it's going to be a, a disaster but you uh, learn those things from like playing tired golf you learn right. how to play tired golf yeah and you're probably a, you know i everybody what do they say everybody should be their own best swing coach i mean you you probably have that ability now to recognize, you know, what's, what's going wrong and at least feel like yeah. you, you, you know how to fix it. Uh, but that ties into actually what I was, somebody else asked, you know, what, what would be some tips you would give to people? Obviously your game travels well. And I think that's a product of just having played literally <laughs> everywhere. Uh, what would be some tips for people who are looking to, you know, have a game that, that travels a little bit better? Ah, uh, yeah. Good question. So, um, I think it's sort of an obvious thing, but um, I think if you're a little bit better playing the ball along the ground um, is generally, it's certainly going to travel well to Scotland and Ireland, but it's just going to give you more options where like, so like we were at sand Valley this weekend <clears throat> and that has, you know, those courses have like a linksy field in them. Um, but there were so many times when you needed to either putt or use a hybrid or bump a seven iron, um, versus, you know, cause you had like a really tight lie around a green versus like trying to hitting something high. So, um, I find that that always travels well. Like if you can just, if you can like, like hit little bumpy shots and a thing that doesn't travel well for me is hitting like perfect flop, perfect high floppy shots. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, that's that can depend on the grass and if it rained and there's so many variables that go into whether like I'm going to be able to really pinch the ball, but everywhere I go, I can like bump the back of the ball with my five wood and get it scooting up toward the hole. Um, and that's something that I actually do a lot. Um, I don't know. So maybe practice playing along the ground a little bit more, um, is, is, is could save you some strokes out, out there on the road. I, I love it. I also think driving the ball well, you know, I, I think if you can, and, and you don't even have to hit it far, right? Like if it, honestly, if you have 230 yards yep. dead straight, that plays pretty much everywhere. Uh, I, I've always found, dude, if I can just hit fairways, like life will be so much easier. <laughs> uh, but that's, no doubt about it. No yeah. That, about it. That's probably a, a broad uh, golf truism. Uh, somebody asked combined Scotland, Ireland, and U S top five i know we just talked about lists how about uh, another one we got to take all three countries and we're only saying five I, okay. I think i think karn still goes number one if i know you well yeah yeah you do you know me we're gonna keep karn bell mullet's finest up at number one then i think i'm gonna have to move on over to scotland for number two 
my personal uh, favorite over there will go Cruden Bay um, for my for my number two. I think uh, come back to the states, coming back number three for a uh, little Cypress. Um, then let's scoot on over. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. So um, you can't not have the old course um, because I think, you know, it's just the top golf experience. And then let's finish it off um, at uh, let's finish it at Oakmont. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Back to PA. Okay. Going back to PA. I just love, love, love playing golf at Oakmont. It just makes me, super and it, i've played it the number of times since the books come out so so i'm influenced by those experiences as well um where i just i don't know man it's it's hard but it's so fun it's, 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 it's so fun so yeah uh wonderful um let me ask you this what state had the biggest disparity between you're gonna piss somebody off here tom uh between golf either great or not great and everything else there so I guess like the people, the weather, the food, uh, oh, you know, your, your general enjoyment, which either great, great golf, but <laughs> you didn't want to spend much time there or just terrible golf, but you, but you could spend a lot of time there. Ah, come on. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm going to go with the least populated state. Uh, let's go with our great state of Wyoming, because I think I've only sold seven books there and uh, <laughs> I have the least chance of pissing people off. And I'll say, uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of golf. No, that's a cop out. Um, let's see. That's that's a really tough question. But the disparity, hmm. but it's a really interesting one, I would say. Um, I I would say, um, okay. Can I break boil it down to California? Is such a big state. Sure. Yeah, so I've got to gotta like go regional. Yeah. And yeah, I've yeah. got to go um, uh, Los Angeles for having some really great golf, right? I mean, Los Angeles Country Club, Riviera is fantastic. Some great public courses. Um, La Hacienda was super fun. Um, but I could never live there. Uh, between the traffic, between my, you know, uh, mediocre looks and, um, and, and, and weight, I would feel very self-conscious going everywhere. Uh, no, it just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do LA. I respect people who, who could and, hey, the weather is great. But it's not a place for me. So I would, I would, I think that's the, yeah, that would be the contrast. But yeah, but I'd like to go there and play golf. So yeah. If you didn't live in Philadelphia, where would you live? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to go south for some warm weather, but I can't go as south as Florida. <laughs> so I'm going to go down to Bluffton, South Carolina. That's pretty okay. specific. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's where I'm going. You, you can touch the Charles low country. Yeah. Charleston, Hilton Head. Savannah, Charleston, yeah. like any that low country action. Um, I'd be into it for the golf, the good weather year round. Like, well, I mean, buggy and hot, but you know, generally that you can play golf 12 months a year. And, um, and the fact that Allison loves it. So I'm good with that. Any course that surprised you in a good way from preconceived notions you had of it? Is well, there one that really stood out? 
so, uh, positive surprises. Um, I would say like a place like um that's a tough one. I think like like a Beth Page Black, I was kind of inclined to like think it was gonna be kind of stupid, um, cause like stupidly hard, or like any of these places that have been touched by like the open doctors, like that they were gonna be ruined. Um uh I actually I thought Beth Page Black was it was it was really hard and it was incredibly slow, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, there's just really fun, fun golf holes there. Um, could it be better? Yes. With little, <laughs> some fairway width, but I was, I, I felt I left there more excited about the place than when I arrived, I think for sure. Um, and I, in my head, I didn't think Fishers could live up to it, but it did. Um, so I guess that's one way of surpassing expectations and being surprised. Um, and then, man, I mean, one of the great surprises in the book for me, I've talked about is St. Louis that, 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 you know, I had no expectations for it and it really turned out to be really classy and a charming charmer. Um, and, uh, gosh, and I was surprised that, you know, People give Pebble Beach a hard time, and I just Tron, man. Tron yeah. gives Pebble Beach a, a terrible time. I mean, God, like it's fun as hell. It's on incredible property. The greens are like <laughs> little tiny, you know, tea tea plates, and it's just it's it's fun. It's it's fun. I love I loved Pebble. Everything at Pebble. Yeah, all good. Um, what any? I I'm, I hope I get the the spirit of this question correctly um it actually came from guy who uh you played with and wrote yeah. about in the book uh any any course that stunk for whatever reason but that's like gnawing at you like where i have to get back with a fresh set of eyes and i guess stunk might be too strong of a word but but any right. experience or, or any course i was just like oh man like i know i didn't catch it either in a good mood or on the right day that I, I need to get back and, and see in yeah. a new light. No, that, that happens um, more than, you know, on these kinds of trips, it happens all the time where you leave and you're like, meh, um, you know, cross it off the list. Mm -hmm. And maybe it takes you some time to appreciate it or a second visit. Um, I would probably say um, my exhaustion around um, coming to the end of the trip like now when I see Riviera on TV, I'm like, damn, so sweet. Yeah. Um, and while I was there, I was kind of like, all right, it's like a low lying golf course with a bunch of ditches in it. <laughs> and and it was just like, a, 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 I think I was having a bad morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and so I need, you know, I can appreciate it. And then you see it on TV or you go back and you, and you kind of get it. So, but that, gosh, that happened at other places too. Um, let me think of some. Oh, I mean, I caught myopia hunt on a bad day where I just wasn't in the mood to, uh, for the, for whatever. I, it, the, I wasn't in the mood for like, I think a, a, a like a, a really private kind of experience where I felt a little bit, not uncomfortable, but not very much like, um, I mean, it's really a very blue blood experience there, which is kind of part of the fun. It's like going back in time. I just wasn't in the mood for it that day. There were other days when I was, so I was, and, and it's also 
like sneaky hard. And um, I was, I don't know. I was just like, okay, I know this is for some people, the greatest piece of golf property in the world, but I'm just not, not feeling it today. And I'd love to go back and, uh, and I'd love to be playing better there as well. It's not, that wasn't a fun course to like kind of be hitting it all, hitting it all over. It's a little bit unforgiving. So yeah, I'd put that on that list. Okay. Um, I got, I feel that deeply too. There've been on our travels, just days where I, yeah. And usually it coincides with bad golf, but you just kick yourself. Cause like, man, you're being such a, a whiny baby right now. And I know I'm not enjoying this as much as I should. And it's just like, you, yeah. you just kind of stew in it a little bit. Uh, totally. and then you get it out of your system and usually the next day you're good. But I, I can so commiserate with, with kind of that, that feeling. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it happens. It, it happens. Uh, all right. Two, two more. Um, these are going to be difficult, but I'm really curious what you say. If you could only play one course in the U S for the rest of your life, what is it? And I might have to exclude rolling green okay. just for the sake of, you know, I feel like it might be a natural first choice, but let's, let's exclude rolling green. All right. All right. Um, one course rest of your life. Well, let's, um, Oh, you know what? You know what I'm going to go with? Because I think it's going to give me weather and wind, but it's walkable and p- good people. I'll go with Gerhardt. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great answer. Isn't that a good one? I feel like, yeah, I, I could be happy there. It's not too over the top, but it's just enough. It's like it hits the sweet spots for in a lot of ways, and I could hang there. Yeah that we i know and the golfers journalists had an event out there this year uh we had a little two-day event out there ourselves it just fills your cup up man the the people and and the sea air and and the whole setting i i would encourage anybody listening if you have not been to gearheart uh on the coast of oregon 90 minutes west of portland it is a fantastic spot that that is an excellent answer yeah that was a good answer by me uh all right last one this can be anywhere favorite hole in the united states oh boy all right okay cool got it um i just played we we just played it randy i'm gonna say the redan at somerset hills wow out there i'm gonna i'm gonna just it's fresh in the mind it's one of those holes i would want to just keep playing over and over again move the pin around, try to hit different shots. Just the party. That hole is just a party. So what was that? The second hole? The second hole. I'm so mad that where the pin was the day we played it. It was like the worst possible location up front on the left. <laughs> then, you know, it would, you did not want to use the, the Redan kicker at all. It was, you know, it had that feeling of like nine at Sweetens, you know, where you really run it around and down to get down to those pins. Um, but it wasn't, but it was a tilling ass from like this time when he was still like using templates because he was young and didn't know what he was doing yet. You know, like it's and was built built some just wacky holes because this was one of I think that was his first solo project. So um all right, yeah, I'll go with that one. Cause gosh, that question I could come up with a list of a thousand. <laughs> so we'll go with that one. Uh, I, I like that. I, I like that. I, and you know what, uh, just one more thing on Somerset. And this is where I, I told you this, I think in our last episode, but Somerset was the first place since reading your book that, uh, thinking about how Gil Hans described, um, a very good golf course and, and just fitting in, in its place. 
Um, right. I, and I told you that while we were walking around Somerset, I was just struck by that course just felt so natural and it just belongs there. Right. And I know that sounds like cliche or corny or whatever, but I, I did for the first time, uh, since, you know, since taking in Gil's words, uh, from your book, it was like, it, it struck me there for the first time. And that was a really fun kind yeah. of feeling. Same here, man. Uh, Tom, that's God, that's all I had. I'm going to miss this, man. This is I like, too, man, this has been fun. This has become like an every couple week tradition. I know. Uh, will you will you write another book what <laughs> what's, what's the to. next don't book worry out? don't yeah. worry that question <laughs> what's the next one i'm glad that hasn't come up that was um fair play uh but no there are there are other books in the works um i should note that after the week people were following your progress um and your travels through new jersey and there was a lot of discussion about you getting very comfortable with the uh the c-suite life <laughs> and of course People are were a little bit concerned if you can go back to the strapped boy, um, or if you're still going to, uh, or if you're going to demand the, the, you know, the finer things that, that we were lucky to experience last week. I, I'll tell you what, this, the C-suite life is, um, it's nice, and there's a reason why people enjoy living <laughs> that life. Uh, but I, I want to put anybody's fears to rest. Neil and DJ and myself, we just filmed a new season of strapped actually last week uh oh that's you know, right and and we rough it pretty good so i i think people are going to be proud of uh neil and i getting back to to the strapped roots but it awesome. is it is nice to have a little bit of that taste of the cc yeah. life every yeah. now and again it just makes you appreciate it <laughs> even more um tom this was this was fantastic in all sincerity i i really appreciate you taking the time um your help in organizing the special guests for the episodes and just your general willingness to, to really be open and, and share your thoughts and feelings. Uh, it's, it's very much appreciated. Thank you, my friend. It's been a blast. Before I let you go, before I let the listeners go though, what would this final episode be without a very special guest? Uh, we hadn't very talked about special. him. Yeah. We hadn't talked about him prior to this really your dad, Mr. Jim coin is going to join us. Yes. Um, Provided I can get the, Get to figure out the technology and and whatnot um but he's he's excited to uh, to jump on and i'm i'm really excited uh to hear to hear what he has to say i i am too when i when i pitched this idea to you he he was the only guest i knew for sure we had to have I, yeah. you know it was like we we have to end it with your father it only makes sense so this is a big treat i can't wait to talk to him uh let's let's bring him into the into the hot seat shall we yes we shall all right hey everybody randy here with a quick thank you to our other sponsor for today's episode and that is our good friends at DraftKings. mcgregor versus poirier three is all set for ufc 264 and DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of usc has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. If the rubber match ends in a first round knockout, you walk away with the cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win by first round knockout and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, $1 on McGregor or Poirier to win by first round knockout, you win $264. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. 
And don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. Right now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code TRAPDRAW, all one word, TRAPDRAW, when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code TRAPDRAW to turn $1 into $264 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank them for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to our conversation. There he is. Hi, Mr. Coin. Hi, Matt. How are you? It's Phil. Good. Who is it? <laughs> Phil. 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 <laughs> That's how it has to start. You Phil. Can... It's Phil. Phil. Like Phil. Phil. All right, Phil. <laughs> That's the start ever. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Um, have you, you obviously play such a big role in this book. Uh, and so I thought it was only fitting that you join us for this last discussion. And um, let me let me just start here. Tom, in, in his book, obviously his whole journey is a, an homage to your own cross-country journey, the, the trip that you and your wife took back years ago when you drove to San Diego when you were in the Navy. I, and I guess my first question for you is, what what are some of the things you remember about driving west all those years ago? Well, what, uh, what I remember best is that uh, we had uh, been in, in Newport, Rhode Island for approximately a year. And my ship got decommissioned. I got transferred to San Diego, California, to the Fleet Gun School on 34th Street. So my wife and I had never been west of Williamsport. Uh, we did buy a uh, 55... Ford Fairlane convertible, red, white, uh, a dream, a dream machine. And uh, we went back to Scranton, said goodbye to our folks and uh, headed south. When we got to Georgia, we took a right turn. And uh, I guess six days later, we ended up in San Diego, not knowing anybody. And uh, there was one officer there, uh, Gad Smith that I hooked up with so we could find a place to live for the first night. And uh, going across the country really was uh, a great experience. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, just highway. And then Texas, I thought would never end. I mean, (laughs) I think I was in there for about a week and you drove most of the time through cattle country, which you saw no cattle. And uh, I expect to see cowboys all over the place, but, and then you hit uh, Yuma, Arizona at 103 degrees, <laughs> take your water bag, put it on the front of the car, and then hope that you could drive it as fast as you could through the desert and get out of it as quickly as possible. So the two of us, uh, was a great experience. And uh, we were just two kids, um, about 23 years old, and uh, off to an adventure. Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right little little did you know um, well when you got to the naval base uh you know obviously the the ending of of your son's book um 
ties in with when you picked up the game of golf. Do you remember how and why uh, you got started with golf when you got out there to San Diego? Do you, do you even remember uh, how that came about? You know, you could have done anything with your time. Why, why golf? Well, I'll tell you what happened. When I got engaged back in Scranton, my wife bought me uh, a set of, uh, of clubs, just the, uh, the odd clubs. So I had a carry bag of the odd clubs, which I never took to Newport, picked them up on the way back. And then when I, we, I got to San Diego, I had them. And I found out at the base, they had a nine hole course across the street. So I was on a, the fleet gun school staff. I was teaching naval gunnery. And so every noon, I would go over there with a bag lunch, myself and another guy. And we'd go over there and play nine holes. And I was terrible. And the Navy, and the Navy had a base at a uh, golf course at Mission Valley, which was a wonderful course. And we both went out there and played some golf. Now that's how we got started. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get into sailing <laughs> ships and that stuff. They had millions of things to do there, sunfish. I didn't want to get into that. So actually, it was one of the few uh, athletic adventures I could get involved in. We played Torrey Pines because it was we were. Uh, residents of San Diego County so we could play there and I think we paid uh, $23 or something and mostly we played the North I had three other officers to play with me all equally terrible and uh, we were at Toy Pines one day and the Ranger came along and said you, that group that group of three on the fourth hole pick up your balls and go to the fifth hole so we, we were going to do that and we didn't go very quickly and we were looking in the woods and he came up and said, what is it you don't understand about moving ahead? We said, well, we're not looking for a ball. We're looking for a club because the guy I was with let his missed a shot, threw his club up the tree and we're trying to shake the tree and get the club down. So uh, he said he would send somebody out to get it. But I mean, we were really bad. We were bad. And we had, and I asked my wife, she'll tell you, she came up behind us one night at the Marine Corps. We were hitting balls. And she said, I never heard such bad language from any group. And these were nice guys. I mean, these were Jesuit trained guys and everything. And uh, one became a, uh, a judge of the Superior Court in California. But uh, golf is a wonderful game. It brings out the best in you, but it also brings out the worst. So at that particular point in our game, it was bringing out the worst. And I'm I'm so curious. Did you fall in love with golf right away uh, through those frustrations, or did it take a, a little while for you to really get hooked on playing? You know, uh, I think it was just something that I had to do um, uh, on the weekends with some guys. It's, I was always athletic in high school, all the way through in college, and that was the only sport that I had left to play that I could play without taken up uh, too much time. So that's, I, I didn't fall in love with it there. We played all the time. It got better and better and better. I really didn't fall in love with it until I got back to Philadelphia and joined Rolling Green. And uh, that's when I really, the competitive juices started to roll again. And I improved my game and started to want to kick some butt, you know, out there. So <laughs> that, that's what I really got. I really got hooked on it when I came back 
from the yeah. service because starting a business, young family, um, it can be one thing I could get out early in the morning, Saturday, and play with a group of guys my age and really, really enjoy it. That's when I really fell in love with it. I, I'm so curious, and I'm, I really wanted to ask you this. You know, Tom is so open about how he approaches the game of golf and some of the frustrations and, and how much he cares about it. And a lot of that being he, he wants to shoot a good score um, and, and, and really put his best foot forward. My question for you, Jim, is when, when you read this book um, and, and see your son, do you see a lot of yourself in the way he plays golf? Is, is there a lot of, are there a lot of similarities there? I would like to take credit for uh, teaching both of my sons to play golf. Uh, no, I did not teach them to play golf. Uh, I, I, Tom developed this passion uh, by himself. Um, my wife played golf. She loved it. I loved it. And we were really weekend golfers and playing at a club where I was very involved with playing Wednesday men's day and um, very involved with, with the club itself. So he would come up there and started young taking lessons at the club. I never bought him any other lessons and his other brother was with him too. And they both played similar and they both developed, I think when he started caddy there and he started to play on Mondays when they had the caddies play each other. And, and I knew he was spending a couple of bucks you know, and they would really look forward to that. And I think that's when, I think that's really when um, the love of the game and the competitiveness came into him and he started to really, really play. I'd like to take credit for it, but really, uh, I, you know what I did? I told Tom <clears throat> when he played, I never went with him. I would see him when he went and I'd see him when he came back. And I never went with him as a parent, but I gave him the opportunity to play. He seized the ball. He ran with the ball. He took advantage of every opportunity he had to play. He got a job there. He caddied there. So really, um, I think that's what I provided, the opportunity. And that's, that's wonderful. Um, are there any stories? I, he might hate me asking this, but are there any stories when, when Tom was younger you know, do, do you remember him being particularly upset or disappointed in a match or the way he was playing? Do, do any stories from his childhood stand out to you? Well, I, I do remember playing with Tom. We used to play a lot that my wife would say, you know, what did you talk about? We didn't talk about <laughs> a damn thing. Uh, but I, I also knew that if Tom was stringing like seven, seven pars in a row and a birdie, and then he went double bogey. I can tell you that the next drive is going to be in the next zip code. I mean, that thing is going to heaven. So, yeah, he, um, Tom, <clears throat> Tom has got a standard that he lives by. And when he gets offline a little bit, he really, um, uh, you know, can, can let it out. But other than that, uh, one thing he used to play with his brother. His brother was all Catholic in Philadelphia. With the University of Vermont, you know, forget about golf season up there. Yeah. And we came home one time and Tom was in high school and we played in October and uh, Tom killed him. He, killed, he must have beat him 17 out of 18 holes. And on the 18th <laughs> hole, bar five, uh, 
Matt got an eagle. And then he turned around, he said, I just want to show you the little shit. When I come back, you know, I can still kick your butt. So, you know, they were, they were real, they were probably more competitive. And I had won that day by one stroke. I had beaten the boat by one stroke. So he said, okay, next week, Matt's still here. I'm here. We're going to play again. I said, no way. This is over for this year. It was October. So I said, this is over for this year. I am champion because I knew my time was my time was up. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's yeah. actually that's that's a great uh leading because I was gonna ask if if you and Tom ever got competitive when you guys were playing together. And and do you remember and maybe this is a better question for Tom, does he remember the first time he was able to beat you? Uh I don't know whether Tom remembers it. Uh yeah, I was competitive. I wasn't gonna let these guys <laughs> I was going to make them earn everything. If somebody said, you know, what'd you take? Uh, did you take a four? I say, no, you took a five. You know, I was not going to let these guys beat me, but then, you know what, when they beat me, I was, I was happy as can be that they both could play better than I could. But uh, yeah. Oh, competitive. Oh yeah, I guess. Oh yeah. Still to this day. Well, not anymore because, uh, he can't give me enough strokes. They don't have enough strokes left <laughs> to give me. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we were competitive. We were competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom tells a story in the book about one time, um, well, many times when he was caddying for you, and, and one time in particular when you had some words with a, another member of, of Rolling Green. Uh, but my question is, you know, be, be a very honest here. How would you assess Tom as a caddy? Take away that he's your son. I understand that. How is Tom the caddy is what I'm curious about. I think, I think Tom is a good caddy. Number one, he had a great ability with, uh, with members particularly to keep his mouth shut. He, he was, he, if you asked him for advice, he would give it to you. And he, he would be, he would be with you and walk with you. Um, the caddy, but he, even with me, he, he didn't give me a lot of advice. We didn't talk a lot. He walked a lot. Um, I could tell by the expression on his face. Sometimes he wasn't really happy with, you know, my performance, <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, no, I would, I think he was a good caddy. He knew how to caddy. He learned how to caddy. And uh, if you needed help, he'd give it to you. But if you didn't ask, he's not going to talk to you about it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's I, I think Tom that's that's a that's very fair and I think a, a good compliment for you I agree I think uh thanks dad yeah what's Bill Murray say uh show up keep up shut up and uh you know I, I could read greens um if, if I was asked but for the most part well dad was so easy to caddy for too um you know there wasn't a lot of variation to the uh you know the 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 driver forward nine iron putter um <laughs> that was the that was pretty much you know 80 percent of the holes pretty much that was it yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah. there were all these clubs in the bag that never got used yeah and uh and you know it was it was a good loop so yeah there wasn't dad knew it and that you knew your way around the golf course as well as anybody so there wasn't too much to tell you the other the other thing about tom you know when he was he was caddying he knew more about the members of the club and the caddies knew more about the members of the club, what was going on than I did. And he never, he never said a word to me about anything. 
I never heard any of the rumors that were going on, <laughs> but, but those guys down, down below, they do everything. Uh, one story I will tell you, if you got a minute, of course, they, they had a guy, Franny, and he had a nice, uh, Mercedes Benz convertible, a really nice convertible, like a, a late 1950 model. And it was powder blue and it was really great. And the guy was a stiff. He would stiff the caddies. He, he wouldn't tip them or he'd tip them a dollar. So every night he went home, he had this stripe down the side of his car. He just got keyed uh, in the parking lot. So uh, I said, to, I, I, and he complained to the, the pro and the pro finally let him bring his car in and put it near the pro shop so nobody would be able to get at it. And I said, to, I said to Tom, I said, Tom, you know, what's happening with Franny? You know, uh, yeah, at a car. And uh, that's the only time I ever remember him saying to me that the guy stiffs the caddies. He doesn't play the caddies, you know? And every time they go home, they walk through the park a lot. I, that's, that's the only thing I think he ever said to me about a member that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, always, always, always tip your caddies. Well, that is, oh, uh, yes, you bet, tip your you caddies, bet, take care you of your bet, caddies. You yes. Especially in, yeah, outside Philadelphia, Delaware County. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, Jim, one thing on, on a more, I, I guess, serious note, uh, I wanted to ask you about one of the last lines of Tom's book. Uh, he writes, and I'm quoting here, I doubt he was guessing, talking about you, I, I doubt uh, you were guessing you'd have a golf wandering son who would walk this ground 60 years later, speaking of the, the Naval base in San Diego, or that this game he was learning would come to fill so much of his life. Th this has to be so cool for you just to see uh, your son on this journey uh, and it really coming full circle with this book um, and him being back at that Naval base in San Diego you know, what, what, what do you think you would say to your younger self, your, your 23 year old self? Uh, would he be, would he be able to believe this all happened? Well, you know, when I read the book, I thought the book was going to be about his trip. I was not really aware of the amount of time and the amount of feeling and the amount of emotion it was for me to read what he said about me. Uh, and then for him to spend the time uh, in San Diego to find that, to find that, what, what is left of that nine hole course, uh, where I first began. And, you know, the emotion there, what I think is being there at 25 years old, mustering out, ready to go back to Pennsylvania. And I had no idea we had, we had no children. We had been married, we had no children, and uh, everything to me, the way he felt, um, you know, we're Irish. We don't show our emotions. You don't hug people. We're, we're huggers. My father and mother were great people, but they weren't huggers. We're not huggers. We don't show emotion. We don't talk about it. It's better to don't talk about it. But he talked about it. He told about how he genuinely felt. And uh, I got to admit, you know, I had tears running down my face at the end of it because I couldn't 
imagine when I was there, did I know I would have a son wandering the country and such a great writer and player and so on? Um, no, but thank God we I do have one and I have now I have five children, so they're, they're all great. So, yeah, yeah, it was very emotional for me, and I didn't really expect it. It took me by surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, and I, I thought it was such a you know from my perspective, it's it's such a nice ode to to you to his father, um, and and I just want to thank you um, for as you said earlier, giving him the opportunity to play golf and letting him, you know, chase golf and, and it be becoming such a big part of his life. Uh, I, I hope you realize how many people, myself included, are, are really touched by his books and, and his work means so much to us. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it, it's really been, you know, a thrill for his mother and I to watch his growth and amazing writing that, um, he developed and uh, the wonderful family he has and uh you know god is good uh i have a wonderful life uh i actually play still uh, 100 degrees today i played 12 holes <laughs> i got smart enough to quit but uh, i'll be out there tomorrow but uh i hope i can go a little bit further and maybe i'll i might get to play with him this year i have not played this year so far with him but maybe toward the end of the year, we'll get to play together again. It's always a thrill. My last question, uh, Tom, obviously hit all 50 states. Have you been to all 50 states in the country? Uh, no, I have not been to all 50 states. I've been probably, I would say, maybe half of them, a lot of them driving through. I've been to Hawaii. I started mm -hmm. in Rhode Island. You know, that's where my base was at Newport, Rhode Island. So where he started, I was there, and he ended in Hawaii, and I've been there at Montalani, <laughs> so at San Diego, and but no, never been up to the Montanas, and I've never been up to the Northwest. Um, no, no, I've never been to all fifty states, but I have now because I read about them. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Like. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's you know, I I have not either, and I know a lot of people haven't, um, but you know, reading this book, it, it gives us a sense of at least what golf is like in those parts of the country. Um, Tom, I, I, anything else you want to ask your dad or, or anything else um, that, that we need to cover here? No, uh, Phil, thank you so much for having my dad on. That was uh, really wonderful. I just wanted to listen. Um, Cause that was, you know, that was really great. That was really cool. I, you know, it's, um, it's a book that, uh, you know, from the start, I knew, um, you know, like my dad said, it was, a, yeah, it's a golf book, right? I'm going to travel around and play 50 states, but I knew that, um, you know, family and where golf came from and America and my dad's service, that that was all going to play a big part in it. And I didn't know how big, but, you know, you just kind of let the road take you where it goes. So um, I'm just like, I really appreciate you having us both on and um because being able to sort of finish the conversation this way about the book is uh it's just the for me it's the most meaningful way to do it so i, I really appreciate it man of course of course uh there was there was no other way this could have ended so i i appreciate 
you helping to arrange this. And Jim, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it, it was a real honor and, and pleasure to, to get to speak with you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it too. And, uh, you know, his love of the country and this wonderful country we have, I mean, the biggest thing in my life was I think in service was being in the Navy. I love being there. I, I, I tear up when I see the flag uh, Memorial Day and so on and so forth. I think it's so important that we get back to loving our country. And uh, Tom really brings it out, you know, that there is so much good about it. Forget about going to Europe. Go see your country, man. It's the finest in the world. God is good. Take care. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Amen. That could not have ended it any better way. That that was beautiful. Thank you. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who